0: Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. This time on Human Stories, I'm talking to UK-based writer John Brett, who trained as a journalist and has worked on regional and national newspapers, as well as in television and radio. In his book, Billy Joel, Tales of an Innocent Fan, John traces the childhood footsteps of Billy Joel, interviews current and former band members, and tells us how the music of Billy Joel shaped his life. John, welcome to Human Stories.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. Um, we must just say to our dear listener how we met um, originally, Ooh.
1: because I can. I, I, like, it seems like yesterday, Tony. I was working on a local newspaper in Milton Keynes, and you were presenting uh, the top radio show at the time called Late Night Love with Tony Lloyd, and you were broadcasting from Chilton Radio Studios in, in Dunstable,
0: That's right. and I was
1: working on a local paper there, and uh, I got in touch, and I came and spent a memorable evening with you in the studio, and uh, oh, crikey, how many years ago must that have been, 30 years, 25
0: years, Yeah, like it was sort of mid to late uh, 80s, that would have been. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, then after that, I moved to Super Gold. <coughs> yeah, but- I
1: mean, but back in those days in the in the late '80s, local radio was massive. It was huge, and uh, the audiences you had were huge. And local newspapers, which was my thing at the time, they were huge as well. You know, I, I look back on those days of the late '80s with a great deal of fondness. I really do. Mm-hmm. Pre-internet.
0: Mm, yeah, me too. It was it's was fantastic, uh, but things move on. And then um, I had a, a car accident, and uh, you did a piece on me um, with a picture of me outside Milton Keynes General Hospital with my leg in plaster. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And what did you do with the photograph and the story after it appeared in your paper? Tell me. I
1: probably sold it to one of the national newspapers. <laughs> you, the <guy>. did. <laughs> <laughs> you did.
0: You did. <clears throat> and that weekend, I was on page three of the sun.:
1: Fantastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not instead of the young lady, but alongside the young lady. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so thank you for that, and you're forgiven. That's
1: okay. <laughs> you have a disaster, you come to me <laughs> <laughs>
0: no problems. Anyway, we're here to talk about uh, this book that you've written. Uh, which is Billy Joel "Tales of an Innocent Fan," which is a play on uh, "Innocent yeah. Man," isn't it? Obviously, one of the Billy Joel' tr- fabulous tracks. Uh, tell me why you brought. Why did you write this book?
1: Um, I, my, my love for Billy Joel developed from a young age. I was twelve years old, and uh, it was seen from an Italian restaurant. That fantastic seven minute track that's on the Stranger album. It just captured my imagination, and the story that was told in that particular track just opened my mind, and I wanted to find out more and more about Billy Joel. And so over the years, from the age of 12 onwards, you know, I bought his albums, I listened to his music. As I got older, I went to see him in concert, and in my own mind, I felt I had a connection with Billy Joel. I don't know why I felt that. (laughs) because I'd watch his performances and I'd see his angry face as he was playing the piano. And in my late teens, early 20s, I shared that anger, although I didn't know why I shared that anger, but it it meant that there was this connection between me and Billy Joel and the lyrics that he wrote and how I was feeling about myself as a young adult trying to find my way in the world.
0: Who was the anger aimed at? Sorry? Who was the anger aimed at?
1: Do you know, I don't know. I think it was a. It was for Billy. He was angry because he was being ripped off by people left, right, and center. His whole professional life, he's been ripped off by managers, by record companies. Even today, he still feels a bit of um, disdain towards uh, Columbia Records because they keep putting out these greatest hits albums that he doesn't approve of, but he has no control over it. So he had an anger as a young musician. I had a probably more of a frustration than an anger. And I don't know where it came from, what it was channelled at, but it just gave me this great connection with this performer. And it, it's strange. I, I don't know. And that connection has, has carried on to this day. And over the, over the years, I've been to America several times and been to where he grew up and seen other places where, uh, that are significant in his life. And it was my wife, Sharon, who said, you need to bring all these things together. All these little different experiences of Billy Joel, because there's a huge fan base for Billy Joel. They want to mm. read about this stuff. Mm. So I brought it all together in the book, and, and that, you know, I spent a couple of years doing that.
0: Yeah. How long did it take you to write the book?
1: Uh, probably from start to finish, I would say about two years. I, I got about 12 months into it, and then I kind of lost a little bit of heart with it. I wasn't quite sure where it was going. My wife, Sharon, said to me, come on, you need to get this finished. And so I picked it up again and I made a few uh, additional contacts in America. And as soon as I made those new contacts in America, many, many doors started to open for me in terms of managing to secure interviews with some really key Billy Joel people. People were really, really close to Billy and uh, quite high up within his inner circle. And as one door would open... It led to another door opening, and I managed to get a succession of really first-class interviews with people who really know Billy Joel. And once all these interviews came together, it was just a case of putting it all together mm. and writing it up, and it just flowed, and then I couldn't stop. So the whole project, I would say two, two years maybe, from start to finish.
0: Really? Wow. Um, I've heard that a lot with uh, writers. You know, it, it is a long process, and it's one of the things that's put me off writing a book I reckon it would take me probably 20 years, but uh, there you go. Nobody would be interested in my life anyway if it's an autobiography. Do you think it is a a biography or a reference book about Billy Joel? How would you classify the book?
1: Um, I've avoided calling it a biography because, firstly, it's unofficial. But it does chart his life from his childhood right through to the present day. But I don't claim to be an expert on everything Billy Joel. I've relied on the contributions from other people who were part of his life to paint a unique picture of what life was like with Billy Joel. And that brings us not only from his very, very first touring band, um, right up to date with his current band and speaking to um, his uh, musical director, and um, his uh, sort of number two vocalist there, Mike Del Judas.
0: Okay, so, fascinating. So
1: yeah, hmm. it, it, it's not a biography as such, but it does chart his life.
0: I reckon um, I've so dipped into it. it. I haven't read all, um, how many parag- How many uh, chapters is it? Quite a few hundred and something. No, it's 14. They're, I think
1: they're, <laughs> they're very short chapters because I, I've got a very low attention span. So I, I figured to myself... If I keep all the chapters short, then it's easy to read. And and a lot of the feedback I've had from people is that it's a really easy and it's also a fun read as well. It's not fact after fact after fact. I've mixed in anecdotal stories of my time in Hicksville, of my time in Long Island, my time in Oyster Bay, my time with his band members, my time at concerts. So there's a whole mix of stuff, but it does run chronologically.
0: Okay. Fantastic. I oh, will get round to reading the rest of it, I promise, but I haven't had time. I've dipped into it. There's some good it. pictures in there, Tony, as yeah. well. So I <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about the pictures. I mean, the, you say that some of those pictures are, you know, never been seen before type pictures. Where did he get them from?
1: Well, I, I mean, many of the pictures in the book uh, are with the people I've interviewed. So, for example, Larry Russell was Billy Joel's first touring bass guitarist. Mm. Larry and Billy have a checkered history, and in fact, Larry uh, refers to Billy as a scumbag (laughs) because he feels that Billy hasn't paid him what he was due for the very early touring shows. Um, So I've got photographs of Larry Russell. He's never been interviewed before um, about Billy Joel. And um, throughout the book, I've had photographs submitted to me by people, other band members, of Billy Joel, for example, I'm looking at a photograph now of Billy Joel on the road in 1972, a picture that's never been published before. Um, So there's pictures that have been submitted, uh, plus other pictures that we've taken when I've interviewed um, some of the various musicians who he's played with, plus um, I have my own photographs that I've taken myself at various concerts, and the picture on the cover is one of my own photographs as well. These have never been published before. Wow. So there's uh, some new... What, what was important to me, Tony, was, um, you know, you can go on to Amazon and you can see maybe three or four different Billy Joel biographies. I needed to uh, write something that was unique. I needed to write something that was different and definitely fun because Billy Joel does come across as um, sometimes somewhat grumpy. So I wanted to move away from that and have a real fun emphasis of this book. So there's something very unique and very different compared to anything else that's out there.
0: This is Tony Lloyd with Human Stories, and I'm talking to writer John Brett about his book, Billy Joel, Tales of an Innocent Fan. At the start of the book, is you're in a dream and you're dreaming about a meeting with B and uh, Paul McCartney and Paul Simon, no less.
1: Yes, I I, um, wanted to uh, just um, tell how I would like to have um, met Billy Joel and how I would like to have interviewed him and how I would like how i would have liked that meeting to go now billy joel is very good friends with paul mccartney He's very good friends with jerry seinfeld paul simon they've all performed together and so i brought together some of those musicians in that opening sequence Mm. to paint a picture of what life might be like in billy joel's house i like that i
0: like that it was very clever yeah um so have you actually met billy
1: Yes, yeah, I met him twice now, in fact. Okay. Uh, the first time was in Manchester in uh, 2018, uh, 2019, last year. Could have been 2018, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was 2018. Um, he'd just uh, finished a gig at Ma- in Manchester, in the United Kingdom, at the Old Trafford Football Stadium. And I've got to say, I mean, the tickets were horrifically expensive for that gig. I paid a bit of extra money to get a, a reasonably good view from the side of the stage. We went to the concert. It's a huge stadium. I think it seats something ridiculous, like 80,000 people or something. It's enormous. Um, but the riggers had built the stage in the wrong position. They'd built the stage too far forward, which rendered many of the side view seats, of which we were sat in two of them, useless. So we were kind of looking at the back of the stage. We couldn't even see the gig. So it was very frustrating. Mm. And in the book, I describe it as the best gig I never saw. (laughs) And then later that evening, uh, Billy was staying in Manchester at the Lowry Hotel in Manchester City Centre. It's a a, a five-star luxury hotel. So Sharon and I made our way to the hotel after the gig, and we managed to get out of the stadium really quickly ahead of the rest of the crowd. And on top of that, we managed to grab what was possibly the only taxi in the area to take us from the stadium straight to the Lowry Hotel. So we got there within minutes of the concert finishing. Now, of course, Billy was ahead of us and ahead of this tsunami of people leaving the stadium. Um, so we got to the hotel really quickly, went up to the bar, which was very quiet at the time because we got there so quickly, we grabbed a seat at the, uh, in the bar. I said, "Shan, what would you like to drink?" I went up to the bar and waiting to order my drink. I can hear this American accent to my right hand side, and I turn around and there's Billy Joel, sat with his two flunkies, eating <laughs> chicken and chips from a basket
0: while drinking a glass of wine,
1: and I, I couldn't believe it. I really, you know, here's my hero. Here's my answer, and I haven't read the book at this point.
0: Were you disappointed then <laughs> that scene?
1: <laughs> well, I, I you know, I, 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 you know, I did. I, I wouldn't say I was starstruck, but I thought this is my only occasion when I'm ever going to meet Billy Joel, hmm. and I felt only fair to go and grab Sharon. So Sharon, quick, come on, come to the bar quickly. Billy's at the bar. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. We're going to meet Billy Joel. So we both went back to the bar i was trying to my hardest to stay cool about the whole situation mm-hmm. and billy was chatting away to his two flunkies and i just sort of i, I thought what am i going to say to him what what can i say that's going to grab his attention and i thought so I said, right, i'm going to use a line from piano man which might you know have some resonance with him mm. so I, so i turned around and i i said the famous line from piano Man. i said man what are you doing here which is a line from piano man and he kind of looked across and looked up at me and he had a, a look of thunder in his face the only way i can describe it he did not want to be bothered at that moment by anybody but i thought yeah. i don't care about this this is my only opportunity so i just leant in and i shook his hand i said just want to say thank you. It was a really good concert tonight. I didn't start to explain it. I couldn't see any of it because right. I didn't think he'd be interested. But I shook his hand at that occasion. And um, his uh, his demeanour was, whatever you do, don't ask me for an autograph. Don't even think about asking me for a photograph. <laughs> and that was my occasion. And I said, Billy, this is my wife, Sharon. And that was it. That was the end of the meeting.
0: Okay, well, that was good, <coughs> That was a good opportunity. But, yeah, shame he didn't get a selfie.
1: You know, of course, and and I sat down after that and slowly the bar started to fill up because everyone else was getting back from the stadium. And um, soon after that, he made his way off to his room. And I sat there and I thought to myself, I've just met my hero and the meeting didn't go how I would have liked it to have gone. And they say you should never meet your heroes. And I kind of felt, I felt empty. I felt angry. I'd spent hundreds of pounds on concert tickets, hundreds of pounds staying in a hotel in Manchester. I bought t-shirts, baseball caps, and he didn't really have the time of day for me. So I I didn't know how I felt about Mm. that. So that was the first occasion. Well,
0: as you know, I've interviewed lots of people in that uh, sort of category and some are like that and some are uh, just really, really nice people. Um, you know, they, yeah. they can't yeah. do enough, you know, so it depends on their personality and they're all human beings at the end of the day. And, uh, that's yeah. what happens sometimes. You know, I have to
1: cut him some slack. He just performed for two hours, you know, and, he, uh, and you know, it's probably tired, mm. you know, Don't anyway, you. that was the first occasion. And, and then I decided to write the book. And, uh, during my travels to New York, uh, we went to Oyster Bay, which is where Billy lives. And, um, Billy Joel is a real keen motorbike enthusiast. He owns hundreds of classic motorbikes. And unusually, he displays them in a shop in Oyster Bay, wow. where he lives. And members of the public can go in and, and view his motorbikes, and it's sort of set up a bit, a bit like a museum. You walk around, you can see all the different motors. He's got Triumphs, Kawasaki's, collectible bikes, electric bikes, all sorts of stuff. It's, it's incredible. But he only opens his showroom twice a week, usually at the weekends. And we turned up on a Tuesday, and the, the showroom was shut. We parked our car nearby, and we were meeting a, a, another contact of mine, actually, in Oyster Bay. We met them for lunch. And as we were walking back to the car, walking out, they literally bumped into each other, walking out of his motorbike shop was Billy Joel, and as we were walking by. So that was the second time that I'd met him. And, boy, what a, a difference, what a transformation. He he had the time to talk to us. We, uh, he signed an autograph. We did selfies. We made videos. We were chatting for, to him for 15, 20 minutes. And he was a different person, really, really nice, kind, down-to-earth guy. And as he signed the autograph uh, for me and Sharon, He said, "That'll be eight dollars fifty, please, for the autograph." Was kidding, (laughs) but you know, it's it's, his wise guy New York sense of humor. (laughs) And it was that moment that I knew all of the elements that I needed to create a perfectly rounded book about Billy Joel Mm. had come together Mm. in that moment. Mm. So that was the icing on the cake for me, and. photographs of me and Billy are in, in the book and then that story is in the book. As
0: Fantastic. Well. That's really good. Uh, what's your favourite Billy Joel track?
1: Well, I'd have to say Scenes from an Italian Restaurant is uh, the track. You're probably very familiar with it. It's a seven minute uh, album track, which was never released as a single, but is one of his most famous um, album mm. tracks from mm. Stranger Album and it's based on a, a restaurant that used to be on Long Island called Cristiano's, and I've been to eat in Cristiano's. It's shut down now, unfortunately. Mm. I always thought to myself Billy would buy it, but he didn't, and that restaurant is now shut. So that's probably my all-time favourite Billy Joel track, but then there's others that I love. I love Vienna. Um, it is another favourite of mine. Um, Stiletto from the from the 52nd Street album, is good the the unique thing about billy joel's music every single track is different mm. and um, quite incredible really mm.
0: and just the way you are he wrote that didn't he for his for his first wife
1: that's right yeah elizabeth uh, famously he he wrote that song and um he played it to elizabeth who was his first wife and manager at the time and he said elizabeth listen i've written this song it's for you and he he played this song just the way you are and the first thing Elizabeth turned to him and said with tears in her eyes was, does that mean I'd get the publishing rights? (laughs) (laughs) That was the first thing she said to him. Ever since then, he's never been a big fan of that song himself. (laughs) And in fact, he, he wasn't going to include that track on the Stranger album, but when he was recording it with Phil Ramone, Linda Ronstadt happened to be in a studio nearby recording another album. And Bill Ramone said to Linda Ronstadt, come and listen to this track. Billy doesn't like it. And they played this track, and Linda said to Billy, Billy, you've got to to include this track on this album. And, of course, it went on to become a Grammy award-winning record Mm. and one of his most famous songs. Played at weddings worldwide.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Including Including yours. Yes. (laughs) Was it your first dance?
1: Yes, it was. Was it? Wow.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, that's good. Um, did you send him a copy, and has have you had any feedback?
1: I, I have sent him three copies, actually. I sent a copy to his, um, his manager. I sent a copy to the motorbike shop where he goes virtually every day, and mm. I sent a copy to his home address. I've not heard back directly from him, which is a real shame, because um, in the back of the book um, – when you do get, get there, I've written an open letter to Billy, uh, which is featured in the back of the book, mm. which, which says, "I hope Billy, I hope you've enjoyed this book. I've written it in a, a style. I said, you won't enjoy everything that's in there because people have been honest about how they feel about you, but hopefully you would have learned some things about yourself. Mm. Now, please, let us sit down, have a full-on interview I'll come and spend the weekend in your mansion in Oyster Bay. Mm, Nice. We can do the interview. Our wives can go and make pancakes, (laughs) and we'll we'll do a proper interview. But he's not responded, unfortunately, and I've tried contacting him through his um, PR agent, um, Claire Mercury, uh, who doesn't acknowledge my emails, unfortunately. Mm. I guess uh, he must
0: get lots and lots of uh, requests like that.
1: Yeah, but, uh, you know, I have to think to myself that, you know, my book has become an Amazon bestseller. uh, You know, it sells well in Mm. in quite good numbers as well. You know, I'm never going to be able to retire on the back of it, but, you know, it's doing okay. But it's unauthorized, so Billy doesn't get a penny for Mm. it. Mm. And, you know, he's probably a little upset Mm. about that because effectively, you know, I'm making money off off of the Mm. back of his name and he's probably
0: part of that so how about a sequel you're
1: gonna do a sequel do you know I I loosely started doing a follow-up to it because I've got enough material now to to write a follow-up but I'm I'm kind of holding off on that at the moment I may do something in the future Hmm. yeah and how about
0: how about a book about somebody else are you just gonna stick with Billy
1: well First, you know, I really enjoy writing. I find it very therapeutic and it it sort of comes fairly easily to me. Um, And writing about Billy Joel, because he was a childhood hero and because over the years I'd um, listened to his music and followed his career, when it came to writing about it, I had a lot of the knowledge already up there. So with a bit of help from Google and then with the exclusive interviews I had with band members and other people connected with Billy, I was able to bring it together fairly easily. That, For me to do that process on another artist would be a lot harder because I'd have to develop that, mm. that real in-depth knowledge and then develop the contacts and mm. then try and get into his inner circle. So it would be a lot harder for me to do that. But I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I did think I looked at Neil Sedaka, actually, as a potential, you know, hugely popular artist. Um, and not much has been written about him, you know, so who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? Oh well, good luck with that. Keep us uh, posted if you do do another one. Yes, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> John, um, where's your book? You mentioned Amazon a bit earlier on. Is that the the place to, to get it, your book?
1: Yeah, you can. It's available from com, or from your local Amazon uh, platform. So it's available on Amazon worldwide. And I've been selling copies all over Europe. South America, Australia, New Zealand. Japan is a big market as well. And obviously America and the UK, it's really selling everywhere.
0: That's great. John, thanks ever so much for telling us about your book, which is called uh, Billy Joel Tales of an Innocent Fan. Uh, Thank you very much. It's fascinating listening to the stories. I could talk to you all day about it. I'm sure you've got many more uh, stories and anecdotes that you could uh, impart, but we've run out of time. So, John, thank you very much for talking to me. And uh, on Human Stories, Uh, this podcast will be broadcast very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll somehow inspire and help other people. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to get your message across, contact me to chat about the very reasonable costs involved. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd